0: The title of the lesson tonight is Fight, Flight, or Faith. What's the, what's the response? Um, it kind of brought me to, and maybe every one of, every one of us has experienced this from time, time to time, but think about a time where you experienced the body's natural fight or flight response. Anybody kind of go back in your mind and think of some point in time where you had to, what am I, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna fight? Am I gonna flight? Or what's the third one? Freeze, something like that, which is I think what most people do. It's a response triggered by real or even imagined threats. Scientists tell us that by priming your body for action, you are better prepared to perform under pressure. So thinking about what might happen ahead of time allows us the opportunity to respond correctly if the situation happens to arise. I think there's a spiritual application for that, and I, and I believe that's what we find here in First Peter chapter 3, is that kind of in a way, Peter is outlining a spiritual response to real threats, and in this... Um, letter he's writing to the church in Asia Minor they're experiencing some genuine threats uh, to their spiritual to their spiritual life and maybe in some ways their physical life so here's what should they do should they fight back should they run away flee to another place or is there a better a better way so here's the big message I hope that this will be the takeaway uh, from from our class tonight is the Christian response to unjust suffering is not to be afraid of the opposition and to remain faithful to Christ those are the two goals is don't be afraid of the opposition that's confronting you whether the threat is explicit force or just implicit you know snide remarks and trying to demean you or and, and then secondly to remain faithful to Christ regardless of, of what's coming your way so here's the first point. point first point is this is do not fear the Lord is with us let's go ahead and read through and we'll start in verse 13 and who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed, that falsely accuse your good conversation or... The way you behave in Christ. For it's better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well doing than for evil doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So the first two things we found in those first two verses, it comes back, And who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But what does verse 15 say? But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer. Do not fear. That's the goal. Do not be afraid. In fact, um, I'm sorry, Peter is quoting Isaiah chapter 8, verses 10 through 13. He's kind of expanding this passage for these uh, first century readers in Asia Minor. Why don't we go there real quick and see what it has to say. Let me go with me to Isaiah chapter 8. And here's the thing I think that's so powerful about these truths is that they're not um, stuck to just any single generation. They apply to followers of God, followers of Christ, every single generation. It just keeps continuing. So here we see in Isaiah chapter 8, the Apostle Peter is connecting the threat faced by the first century Christians with an entirely different threat the people of Judah were facing in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 10. Let's look at what he says. Take counsel together and it shall come to naught, speak the word and it shall stand, and it shall not stand for what? For God is with us. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, say ye not a confederacy, which in modern day terms is a conspiracy. Say ye not a conspiracy to all them to whom this people shall say a conspiracy or a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear nor be afraid. He's saying, don't worry about all the conspiracies that are coming our way. Well, we think these people are conspiring together against us. That shouldn't be the source of our fear. What Isaiah is speaking to, to the children of Judah is this. He says, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. You see, when our focus gets out of place, we start looking at everything around us as the source of frustration or, the, or everything's out to get us. We lose focus of what's the reality that God is actively in control working all things for our good and for his glory, even though on the surface it looks like, well, all these different people are conspiring against us. That's not the way it works. God is completely and utterly in control of what's happening. So Peter is communicating that to this first century church in Asia Minor. He's saying, hey, the children of Judah were dealing with this. Now, Christians, you're dealing with this. Now, Calvary Baptist Church in Ashland, Ohio, you guys are dealing with this. And there will never cease to be an unending... Um, channel of conspiracy theories they will just continue and they will self-perpetuate but the christian it's not really our responsibility to get hung up in those things because our our fear is who our fear is god and nothing's going to come our way that god is not entirely in control of i think i personally think that's a, a very settling um truth to hang on to so secondly for christians throughout history the thread has constantly changed but this is very important the lord god who's with us forever remains the same and then, thirdly, Christian believers are expected to humbly and respectfully defend their hope in Christ to anyone who might ask, even in the place of a court of law. As we read, and I'm sure many of you have heard that verse quoted many, many times, and that's, and be and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. So here's the big question, though: What is the hope? What is the hope that people are supposed to be asking you about? Well, it's fairly straightforward, isn't it? What's the one thing that all of Peter's readers share in common? We don't share the same cultural system. We don't share the same economic system. We don't share the same language. But what do all, everybody who's ever read 1 Peter and would take that message to heart, what's the one thing that joins us all together? The shared belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what connects us to the apostle Peter. It's what connects us to Christ. It's what connects us to Christians all throughout the ages. Is that we've all had the same shared belief system and that's that each one of us our hope is I believe in the gospel message of Jesus Christ I believe in the death the burial and the resurrection of Christ I believe that I'm a sinner I believe that I need the the righteousness of Christ placed on my account so that God can look at me and he can say you're righteous because of what Jesus has done